do a rip off of comedians and cars and it'll be like actors actors on couches playing video games well, we were talking about that the other night yeah we? Dan was saying yeah right it'd be fun to you know <laughs> play video games and film that and we just uh... oh no it was when we were playing a board game wasn't it oh was it yes let's just move this more a bit more central yeah um, yeah, that's yeah. probably about centre. We're going to be fine. Uh, recording already? Sorry? Are you recording already? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Hello? Yes, is this coming up next? Oh, I was after episode seven. I believe it's the one that's featuring the gentleman who played Spartacus in the stars. Series of Spartacus, and he's also been in the Australian television series The Killing Fields. Yes, his name is Liam Mac. <clears throat> Liam, Liam McIntyre. Sorry, I just had something in my throat there. Liam McIntyre, very good, very old friend of mine, joins me in the ramble room this evening, or this afternoon, or this morning. Depending when you're listening to this, I guess. Well, actually, it was it was nighttime when we uh, when we recorded it. So he joined me in the ramble, and it wasn't actually the ramble because it was an impromptu podcast that we did one Saturday night while he was in town. He lives in Los Angeles. To give you a bit of background, Liam and I have known each other for about uh, 12, 13 years. We started working together. We met at the Riverly Cinema back in 2003 when we both worked as cinema ushers. He is an outstanding actor and just one of the greatest people I've ever known and one of the greatest people I will ever know I can categorically and definitively say that Um, you'll notice the production quality on this one not quite up to the usual standard as I said, we, uh, it was kind of an impromptu thing that we did on a Saturday night just at my house now you can find Liam on the Instagram and the Twitter and uh, there is a Facebook page dedicated to his fandom and uh, I'll see you at the end of the episode. Enjoy my chat with uh, one of my best mates, Liam McIntyre. So this is a fairly uh, impromptu episode of Coming Up Next. I am with uh, one of my best and longest serving friends, Liam McIntyre. G'day. Um, Liam has had quite a uh, prolific career um, that started, I guess, a little bit later, considering how much experience he's now had. But um, Liam uh, was um, was Spartacus in the um, Star series of Spartacus, taking over from um, from Andy Whitfield um, after he very tragically had to leave the show. Um, and since then, you have done uh, the aforementioned Hercules film. Yep. Um, did Killing Field here? Killing in Field here. Australia did The Flash. Recently, yeah. Um, Fucking hell, man! It's pretty crazy to think that um, you know we've known each other for now what twelve years, and we used to <laughs> we used to sit in my bedroom um, when I was at film school at like two or three in the morning writing scripts <laughs> for for odd little films. I just found three. Yeah, right. I was trying to fit in your old Liverpool tops <laughs> of a person that's at least two sizes smaller than I certainly was at the time. And goes for Arsenal. And goes for a different team, that's true. Um, but still, because I'm a good sport, happy to go into Liverpool. But, and it was very ill-fitting. <laughs> like, supremely ill-fitting. 
Um, yeah, we yeah we did we we had some very strange strange experiences trying to make films back in the day, uh, or try to make those dreams real, which is uh, kind of surreal to think about now. It is very uh, very odd to think about now. So I'm just uh, pulling up my notes. I have like a generic sort of notes list. I doubt it's generic. I bet it's wonderful. Well, by generic, I mean like a base of the sort of questions that I that I like to the style of the show. Ask people. So I'm new to this. I've just rocked in from out of town or from <laughs> another country, and I'm like, oh, cool! You do podcasts. That's good. We make a podcast. You're a busy man. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's pretty pretty unbelievable to think. Um, there's a there's a really good saying that my cousin told me a little while ago, and that is, it takes a tremendous amount of time and effort to become an overnight success. Yeah, was that that like luck when luck is uh, preparation meets uh, opportunity? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, the story of you actually getting the role of Spartacus is probably relatively unknown and quite a remarkable one. Um, that <laughs> kind of coincides with both of those. It was sort of like a um, stars aligning, if you were to look at it without any knowledge stars. of what happened. I see what you did there? Yeah, Very good. You like that? Has been a professional for many years. <laughs> Um, Pun intentional. <laughs> uh, so yeah, tell me, tell me about that um, that story, that moment in time. Yeah, it's very strange. I was working at the uh, Rivoli where we actually met Al and I, um, and yeah, uh, I'd, I'd worked my way up to a job that I really liked actually, and I was kind of making peace with the fact that I guess acting's a pretty silly dream to have uh, something I enjoy having you know it's like it's pretty unlikely that it'll ever work but I was never a starving actor type so I was always the kind of person to just go alright well I'll work really hard and then work extra hard to achieve the dreams that I have so I never liked the idea of like eating rice out of a box because I couldn't afford to eat because I was not working in a job in case that big job popped up out of nowhere and I became an actor overnight um, so I was working a really cool job in the cinema uh, village where I sort of decided I was I loved it because like by night I guess you'd say I was hustling jobs and begging for anything from any kind of person you know like I'd be like just give me any kind of job as an actor and by day I'd be like talking to Universal and Fox and Paramount and be like nah see, this is how it's going to be you're going to get you're going to get two sessions and that's it I know I know I know it's just come out yeah but Avatar's good but it's been like six weeks now you know and so you get to like talk <laughs> going damn you Sam Worthington I was like Sam how dare you be so successful no I was he's good on him <laughs> um, but um, yeah then it's uh uh, you know, I guess a few years before that, I'd gone to America for the first time uh, with another one of our mutual friends, Damien Chehi, who I hope we get a chance to speak to one day. Yeah, I'd love um, to have him on. Maybe we'll do it over Skype. Yeah, that'd be cool. He's got a really interesting story. Um, anyway, it's for another day, I guess. But um, I went with him and some others. I wanted to do some training over there and see if I could ever live there, you know, in that kind of crazy, wild dream of like, what if it worked one day? Which, mm. you know, seems so impossible. And sent all these headshots and resumes out and didn't expect anyone to get back to me. And these agents did. It was one of those weird things. I told you that story where it's like, I pictured an agent that I wanted and I walked into the room to exactly that image. <laughs> it was the most bizarre thing. Um, it was exactly the person I wanted in my head. It was wonderful. And they're still my, my managers now. Uh, they're great people. But anyway, so I, 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 that's the background. I, I got these people and still nothing had happened. They, you know, they sent me out on the odd job. I think we did a Criminal Minds audition. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Well, Dion Sure, your friend, the body. 
Um, I feel like we were playing soccer or something yeah, after that. Maybe, yeah. Nicola, my old, my ex-girlfriend, yeah, she that's helped right. me do and that. And, and then my and my feedback from the agents is the first audition I ever sent them. They're like, "Yeah, Liam, uh, that's um, that's not how we do it over here. I want you to film it all again against a white wall with no props." I was like, "Oh." To to fill uh, the listeners in, we went out to a location uh, to film this uh, self test, which probably even in Australia is unheard of. Yeah, I'm I, not sure why, because you I would think that why. for the effort. Yeah, I, I know why. It was because I'd heard that Elijah Wood got his job in The Hobbit from like going and doing a full audition on like basically reenacting The Hobbit yeah. or something. And I was like, I, I'll do that for my first tiny guest role in, oh. in, a, in a show. I'm not saying I'm not saying I don't understand why you didn't. Oh, do sorry. It. Yeah, I, yeah. I know you know you, your oh, style. Why, why my you style mean, has always been going above and beyond what a normal I mean, expectation why they, would be. The auditioners. Yeah, yeah. It just seems preposterous that you wouldn't go oh well done like applause for you know the effort I don't know if it ever got to that I don't know if it was their decision I think it was my agents they were just like no that's not how we do it but mm. um, so many rules yeah weird no, the ones I don't really understand I guess it's to try and keep keep everything like how do you compare an actor who's gone and basically shot the film versus an actor that's just using his like camera phone the you know the the actor the one actor looks more impressive but may not actually be a better actor yeah you know like do they might have just a lot of resources yeah I guess so. I guess I don't know I haven't really thought it through but I guess that's the only reason mm. anyway so um, yeah so that's the, the background was you know these agents and then they then they sent me this audition for this is a crazy, crazy story they uh, sent me this audition for Spartacus and that was the first time so my, my one of my other buddies James had just told me about the show and I'd got 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 to watch it and really liked it. And then I was like, oh, what, a, what, what role? And there's a Spartacus. And I was like, there's already one of those. And that's when I sort of found out all that bad news about Andy and mm. his, his battle and, and quest to get better, which was ultimately quite sad. Um, but it was at a time where I was like, I'm never going to get this job. So mm. I didn't really take it to heart because it didn't seem like it would ever be relevant. Wasn't there something, sorry to interrupt yeah, you there. Um, <coughs> and perhaps you, you don't want to talk about this on the record. No good. But I believe from memory... The casting agent didn't actually want to see you because you'd had no real credentials in the country. It wasn't that. It wasn't that so much as it was. Um, it was. I mean, because I got seen. That was. That was. The, I mean, part of that story. I think that you're alluding to, which is, is partially accurate, not completely, mm. um, is that um, we made a film together. Uh, and you and I I mean uh, mm. and we used a casting director called Sarah Hallam uh, who then became our friend and uh, funnily enough as I go in for this audition Sarah Hallam's coming out of her car setting up <laughs> slightly late I might add uh, helped her set up and then another friend I knew from a, from a charity gig I did with my friend Mark Taylor he sung at this thing and, I, and the, the reader was another guy that I'd, I'd met at that charity thing uh, so I knew both the people in the room for possibly the first time in my career, where yeah, I was wow. still new at stuff. It was kind of weirdly stars aligning already without me realizing. As, as a funny aside to that story, that uh, that casting agent that you referred yes. to, Sarah, uh, actually cast you out of the first uh, <laughs> first was, gig that we hired her to, to do. I was just going to skip over that. Um, <laughs> not upset. Was held a grudge for a long time until she got me this job. Then the grudge went away. Funny um, what giving yeah. you life-changing careers can do. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's not a bad. But um, I was going to say that um, 
yeah, so I'd met her and then we auditioned and I didn't really think anything of it. And yeah, so she tells me, you know, so anyway, I went through a very long, arduous process to get that job mm. after I got that first audition. It's like a four or five month process. Yeah, I just, where apparently I was told by, by the producers, they were like, we knew pretty early on we liked your acting, but you were just a, I'd lost like 25 kilos to get this other job that I'd just got, which turned out to be a bit crazy. Um, what, so losing funny. 25 kilos or the job yes <laughs> <laughs> um, and then so I, I walked in as a rake for the first time in my life and I, I was like what am I doing here like this guy's no gladiator and I think that was their kind of idea too they're like shame about the body mm-hmm. um, so they'd set me on this task to, to get get fit over however long it took before they made their decision uh, which was horrifying but kind of wonderful at the same time it was a long thing, but yeah, no, the Sarah connection was apparently that first take, that first tape that I sent, um, that she filmed me doing. Um, the casting director, as I'm told, uh, I've not confirmed it with the casting director myself, but yeah, she said that um, it was kind of like, yeah, it's good, but you know, they won't want to see that because he he's not done anything. You know, why, why right. would we send someone with no, you know, with no credentials but Sarah you know which is that's I guess that's where it's funny like in the job that, that our little like short film that she cast me out of I was like ah, oh, I want to be in this I was always be in it and then she talked me into the other job and mm. you know I guess on the scale of things that's probably the better way for that to have run yeah. better yes. to have got that to the, as much as our short film was great um, probably called, better to uh, get called Shotgun if Shotgun. anyone out there has any uh, interest in watching it yeah it's pretty great it's pretty great it's for about, Wayne Pern it's about 50% great uh, 20% good and 30% me. Well, we could no. probably could have done a better job on yeah, some things and I learned see. a lot of lessons. Yeah, I mean, but that's how you learn lessons, right? It's true. We were quite young, <coughs> 22 and 25. Five, I guess, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was pretty much our first real attempt to do anything super serious. Mm. And it was, you know, I mean, God, the fact that we did it at all was kind of a miracle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a whole, that's a whole one hour podcast in itself. That <laughs> yes. But, um, yes, it is. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was cool. And then anyway, so she, she basically, from what I understand, pretty much begged the casting director to send it through to the, with the rest of the auditions that they liked. And she acquiesced and said that, okay, let's do it. And so I guess I was that one good word away from never even being seen for the role. So who knows? Like life is crazy like that. That's, mm. that's. A, a particular story I take with me because it is it's like you know you just never know when that opportunity will come your way and from how or from where or from what person mm. I know I've always been blessed in the sense that I feel like I've got a pretty good judge of character pretty quickly and I've never been more grateful for any, any other skill if I had a superpower that'd probably be the one I'd want mm. um, because it, it, you get a sense of no, you're not always right, but a lot of the time I feel I'm, I'm usually quite right on a person who's basically got good intentions and a person that doesn't have such good intentions. Mm. And anyone that I feel has good in- has has not good intentions, I'm kind of pleasant to because you know they're still people and they still deserve respect and dignity. But you know I don't try to connect to them emotionally in quite the same way. And anyone that has good intentions, I generally want to be friends with in some capacity because I don't. You know, people talk about networking in my industry a lot, and it's quite like it's a dirty word. And I understand why that is, but to me, there's no such thing as networking as like a get a business card, get a job kind of way, which does feel quite dirty and sort of mm. whorish. Um, but in a sense of like, I could be friends with all these, you know, why not Why not make a friend, even if it's not the kind of friend that you hang out with every day, but mm. you know, all these decent people are worthy of your 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 heart in some way. And I, I just like the idea that everyone is worthy of your love in some capacity it doesn't have to be the same love you give to everyone but 
you know, that, that deserves your friendship or something if they're, if they're going to be reciprocal to that sort of feeling. Mm. It's, you know, rather than being like, oh, he's my boss, I should treat him well or I'm above him, but I'll give him my time or something. You know, that seems like such a horrible way to live. Mm. Th- anyway. I think at the core of everything, um, you know, when you're studying acting, you're studying drama, you're, un- you're studying human behavior and trying yeah. to understand why people do what they do. And I think to... Um, sound a bit hippie-ish but nevertheless I think at the core of everything everyone just wants to be loved everyone wants to receive love and everyone wants to give love Um, yeah well the only thing I mean the only time I'm truly sad for someone is someone that doesn't understand that mm. like when someone is like like it really doesn't seem like love and happiness is an end game for somebody it just Mm. I'm like oh it's I I mean maybe that I don't I just the way I'm built, I don't, I don't even. I, I guess I don't even understand how that would function. That that's having a different kind of emotional drive. Like someone that truly is motivated by money as an end to itself. I, mm. I sort of go, okay. I, I don't really know what that is. I mean, I get the idea of wanting money to bring more of something into the world and preferably something good, but but money because you want a big stack of money it's sort of uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> it seems I mean, redundant yeah I mean it's, it's, I know people that li- I know people like that and I just go what do you do with a big stack of money but is it, is it that they things but is it that they want money just to have or, money or is it because they want power yeah or is it they it'll want be, status yeah. or they want to buy things because all of these things are no, then true, validation of love yeah you're right I guess that, that is the truth I mean often it's a power thing often it's a status thing and I guess that boils down to a certain sense of self-worth and which is mm. a derivative or offshoot of love in itself or self-love or whatever it might be mm. yeah, yeah I guess you're right but uh, yeah I guess it just seems to be a bastardized form of something that's a bit perhaps should be a bit more pure or a bit more open mm. um, going back to something that you were talking about before I think yeah. I think the key or the core of what you were saying with um, being a good judge of character is really that you have a very strong intuition yeah sure um, and you listen to that how I mean as as a performer as an artist your intuition is actually your biggest strength I think because I that's where your truth lives really yeah I agree with that um, how, certainly in the moment yeah because that's your instinctive reaction yeah absolutely um how important is that? Especially, you know, you move from um, little little Melbourne, which, I mean, <laughs> you, you were born in Adelaide, but then moved to Melbourne. Yeah, at a very early age. So I guess I'm, I'm as Melbourne as I could be without having been born here, I suppose. Mm. Um, I mean, Melbourne is... I fucking love Melbourne. Um, yeah. But Melbourne is a little city that thinks it's a big city. Yeah, which I never understood until I'd lived in another bigger city. Yeah. It's funny. Um, life is often like that experientially. Mm. You think you think the world of something, whether it's a, a loved one or a food or something, until mm. you find something else that you're like, oh, that puts that in perspective. <laughs> um, but I guess the question that I was going to ask is, Melbourne, whilst I'm, you know whatever, whatever whatever it is in terms yeah. of the scale of the city, it is full of genuine people. Absolutely. Um, you move from somewhere like Melbourne to LA, which is also full of genuine people, but has a much larger population mm. and is more grounded in the entertainment industry, which from my understanding, whilst I haven't lived in LA, can breed a bit of a kind of phony or um, status climbing kind of attitude about things. Yeah. 
Um, how important has, I guess, your intuition and trusting that and really strengthening that been in that experience? Oh, crucial. I mean, it's, it's, uh, the, the, the best news I had was realizing that LA wasn't the monster that people painted it as. And LA, like you said, in part, uh, certainly what I heard um, from people was it's painted as this kind of like soul-sucking monster of a place. It's mm. uh, certainly to actors and some, some, especially some jilted actors that maybe haven't had the experiences they want. Not, not success, but some people have been very successful but had very poor experiences there and some people have had very little success and, and, uh, and that's affected their perspective on things. But it's like, uh, it's, yeah, everyone sort of going in there, I was like, I'll definitely be shot. <laughs> uh, like uh, that's a, that's just I'm just assuming just a that. given. I just know that it's yeah. just a matter of where. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll everyone will be wanting me for some duplicitous meaning. I'll make no real friends, and everyone will be on the take, and I won't be able to tell the difference. I thought it would be the place where my intuition, that I thought was good to that point, would have certainly meant it to match. Mm. It's actually proved to be quite the opposite. Um, it's. Yeah, you know, the thing about, uh, I guess, to just take a tangent slightly, which I tend to do. Um, That's right. This whole show is just a tangent. Brilliant. It's my show. <laughs> it's my kind of show. Um, is that, you know, like, um, no, I forgot the tangent. Good. Great. It's going well. Um, anyway, but it's, um, where was I going? So the, the you know, the, the city Your has experience has been yeah, the opposite intuition. Yeah, hasn't yeah. been, hasn't met its match. Yeah, no, yeah, of course. Yeah, the, it hasn't really met its match just because it's like, um, I mean, it's a bigger place. Uh, oh, that's where I was going. Sorry, that that, um, that like yeah, a lot of actors that I know have been actors as a career their whole lives, whereas I haven't. Um, I, I changed kind of desires and uh, sort of midstream, and I'd done other jobs and things like that. And and I, I find that a lot of actors don't realise that every job is like acting. You know, if you want to, just that acting is kind of like running a one-person business. Mm. You know, and um, you want to be at the top of a very big company, which is at you know performance, I guess. And you know, it's a company with thousands of people in it, and only a few top positions. Mm. Um, so you know, it's it's that kind of thing that every job has that kind of every, well, every kind of area that has a lot of like a lot of finance jobs or something like that They're, they have a certain type of person and they feel like a certain type of way and, and, and acting or in the entertainment industry isn't sort of separate from that um, it's very hard to get the top of any legal firm it's very hard to get the top of an acting job you know to get that acting job um, but yeah in terms of intuition it's like um, I don't know it's like just people there's just as many dicks over there as there are here you know? <laughs> there's just as many good people I actually think maybe more because uh, what I noticed with LA uh, what someone pointed out to me actually and I, and I kind of went oh shit yeah that's it um, everyone's from somewhere else I mean mm. you know, obviously there's people from LA of course but they're like people certainly even the, the people in LA are used to this as well everybody's traveling in and out everyone's there for a couple of weeks and then gone again mm. it's, a, it's a mobile city so people that are from outside of it you know, the people are there, the support networks are there specifically tailored to that kind of experience. Mm. You know, whereas in other countries, they're not. You know, if in Melbourne, generally, it's not as um, robustly a traveling city as, 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 um, as somewhere like LA. LA is like, you know, I don't know if I have any friend that's been there for a full year. Mm. You know, they've all traveled somewhere for a period of time with, with, with work whether that's entertainment or not it's just kind of built that way mm. um, so yeah I mean there's dicks and because it's kind of a 
I would say an unequal city is the most damning I'd be get, I'd, I'd say about it. It's kind of there's there's a lot of haves and there's a lot of have-nots <laughs> and then there's a lot of people that don't really know where they belong in that. And that's yeah. like, it's the people that don't really know where they belong in that that um, uh, maybe get caught up into the wrong parts of the haves. Um, right. frequently, you know, like the, there's people that don't handle their success or their money or whatever it is very well. Um, I mean, well, that's, I mean, that's, that's my objective perspective. That's my subjective perspective on that. Can um, you elaborate on that? Yeah. You know, like, like they, they, they party, you know, perhaps a destructive way and they right. perhaps utilize their success or fame or, or power or whatever it might be in a way that doesn't help or is maybe just a bit unpleasant mm. at least to, to me who's pretty boring I mean, I'm not a very exciting person in many ways but um, I you think know, that was a very arguable point well you know but like in terms of what, but you, yeah, you, don't, you, know, you don't take drugs you don't, don't drink, drink I, don't, I don't really don't party life. And, yeah you know yeah. I, I'm an old fashioned man pretty in many straight ways. edge yeah pretty straight edge sense. kind of guy I guess that in that way so I guess those kind of things that appeal to me but I know people that get sort of pulled into that side of things and that becomes the world that they get to meet and whereas the world I've met there is the people I've wanted to meet, I've wanted to meet which are just good natured gentle people and mm. a nice you know yeah, and a variety of that of, of person but you know um, people in the industry people out of the industry just fascinating people and, 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 and the best news was that ultimately my intuition stood true for that you know people can't really pretend to be other people that effectively if you have if you're really sort of paying attention mm. you know you still get a sense if, you, if you've kind of tuned into that side of people that sort of that part of the spirit you kind of go oh you, you say nice things but <laughs> I'm pretty sure you just want to steal my wallet yeah <laughs> it hasn't happened yet Touchwood Except for that guy who was holding a knife saying he wanted to steal your wallet. That guy? Yeah. Uh, yeah Old wallet steely McLA. I, yeah. I could see you through that mask, Al. <laughs> Give me a wallet. <laughs> yeah. I just want to practice my stabbing. I want to practice my stabbing. Got a few trauma. Yeah. Um, and you got to spend the last couple of weeks hanging out uh, with Bender and Zoidberg. My life is bullshit crazy sometimes. That's like Zoidberg. Zoidberg. That man. Yeah, I've I've had like oh I'm just grateful people. Like I'm just like I just I'm, do you know what shits me in this industry in, in the entertainment industry is when people stop being grateful. And if I don't become if I stop being grateful, punch me in the face, would you? You've heard I got a record now. Yeah, Just punch me right in the face. I don't really want to punch you in the face, though. Yeah, you're probably. If I was that kind of guy, I'd probably then have you arrested. Yeah, because <laughs> I wouldn't be a normal. I, person. C- I could not imagine you ever not being grateful, nor could I imagine you ever not being as grounded as you are. Which is, um, I don't want to say it's remarkable because it shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. Um, but there are so many people. I, I think, and I think you were touching on this point before that when they achieve a level of success in the entertainment industry, they become too big for their britches. Yeah, this is, industry's kind of messed up, by the way, um, mm. in the sense that it breeds it. Like but I it, think that you're grounding in... Sorry uh, to interrupt you, yeah, but I was ahead. just going to say, I think you're grounding in... I mean, you've got a degree in, um, in business, uh, commerce. I, so. feel, I mean, I feel like a compliment's coming, so I need to just go ahead. Just interrupt <laughs> away. <laughs> we call that an interruptment. We'll get back to it. I didn't. We'll I didn't. Get back. Yeah. Com, 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 I don't think it's going to work as well as you thought it would. compliment. There you go. Um, Let's stick with the original. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have diverged there. <laughs> uh, First no, attempt to make a new word failed. 
Yes. Sorry, you were again. Now I'm interrupting. You word stacking word did not work. Stacking. Uh, now I've forgotten. What yeah. I was say. No, the fact that you had had other jobs before. <laughs> That this was something that you came to perhaps a bit later in in the game, where yeah. you did have an appreciation for what it was to work hard and what it was to really earn a crust. The fact that you worked a nine to five job or an eight to six job mm. uh, at the, at a cinema within a um, sort of cinema yeah, like um, a corporate industry yeah. in a corporate structure, and simultaneously were honing your craft, acting in plays, doing short films. You know, you would do, what, like 100-hour weeks if you looked at all of the work yeah, that you did? Yeah, there was bullshit hours amongst all that. <laughs> but that gives, that gives a person a grounding, a gratitude, and an understanding of what it is. And I remember when I came to visit you in, uh, in Auckland when you were doing uh, your first season on Spartacus, and I remember driving in the car, I distinctly remember this in uh, you saying to me how it's just like you're, you've achieved a level of success in any, any industry. Um, you know, you've just, you've worked hard, you, you've gotten a, a break, you've gotten a job yeah. and now you just continue to work hard. It's no different to if you, you know, if you were a doctor or a lawyer or um, an accountant or whatever it may be. I was be. trotting that same shit back then. Oh man, I'm sorry. You know what? <laughs> I was trotting out that same old <laughs> shit back then. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, you're right. I, I, I do believe it. But that. it's a humbling kind of uh, notion that. to have, you know, because it really, it is, it's just a job. I mean, it, it, it's also a lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, sure. And it's a dream. But um, it is, I mean, it's, it's still a job. I mean, you still yeah. earn money. You still have to work hard. Yeah, I mean, it's just, but going back to the original thing where you were talking about cool people I get to meet, which is pretty awesome. Like, that's, it's that bit that I'm like, oh, I've met people that they're just like, oh, they want to turn up for less than a certain amount of money and they don't want to, they, you know, people that have riders that are longer than their actual contracts and stuff, mm. you know, and you're like, what happened to get, I mean, maybe, I, you know, and I don't want it to speak out of turn because maybe there's certain, no, certain, certain you know, in terms of like, no, in, in terms of like, I don't know their particular individual yeah, yeah, situations. Yeah. Maybe there's a reason that's happened and maybe I shouldn't judge. But but to the outsider, still me, I'm like, when when did it sort of become okay to do some of those things or to mm. treat people like that or to, you know, to look at the world in that way? When, when did the when, sense of wonder and appreciation yeah, and when gratitude did, when did go? you forget being that struggling guy that just dreamed of having a break? You know, mm. when, when did that go away? And I mean, I get it in a sense because like I remember one time with Spartacus where, you know, I, I, I've, I know I've told you this story, but it was like, um, you know, you, you, I was trying to. I, I went to the toilet and I'd come back and they were freaking out because they couldn't find me. And they were like, You've got to tell us when you go to the toilet so we can take you. And I was like, What is this? Like prep? Yeah. Like, you know, it's junior school or something. This like, This is insane. It's like, I'm, I can, I'm a grown man. I can go to the toilet. You know, like, but <laughs> they just need to control things because of the amount of money involved. And that's so they have to try almost baby you. Mm. And, you know, things that's like. Yeah, well, you know, but it's like, I, I'm try, I was trying to understand it. Like, I remember there was like, you know, because they, they just have to manage it carefully or things really, and I guess, you know, it could really go wrong. And, and if you, you can't film stuff, you know, you'll lose days and it's millions of dollars. I, you know, I get it on some levels. It's just really, the tricky part is that because you've got to kind of conform to this way of being, you know, um, you know, particularly handled, I suppose, you know, there was just like, they, they, I couldn't go off set and make my shakes because we had to film stuff. So they're like, we've got a guy that will go off and make protein shakes for you and bring them back <laughs> at certain times of the day when you need them. Because I had a certain very strict diet that I had mm. to stick to. 
and that was the only and best way that it could be maintained and everyone would kind of get what they want. They'd get a guy with the body they needed and I'd get the nutrition I needed to maintain that and I wouldn't go off and do my own thing. Mm. So, you know, and eventually it becomes what you're doing. And mm. so I remember there was a day where I was like, where the hell is my shake? And they're like, it's, I'm like, it's 10 o'clock. I need it now. And I kind of got shitty and I was, you know, and then I suddenly went, oh my God, I became that guy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just became a douchebag. And then I was like, so that's how it happens. It just sneaks up on you. It's the silent death. You know, it's where you wake up at 50 and go, I became a twat. (laughs) When did that happen? So it's it's like, I kind of get it. It gave me more sympathy for people that you're like, oh, that actor's a dick. And you're like, well, maybe they didn't realize they stopped being a decent person. You know, maybe, you know, I mean, yes, ultimately it's still in their control. They should have done better, but... You know, I, I kind of had some sympathy for how it just sneaks up on you and you're mm. suddenly like, oh, I didn't even know I was doing that. Mm. And apparently it just became so part of my world that I expected that that's how this is done. You know, like when people won't turn up if they don't have a car and, you know, and I'm sort of like, I've, I've been at things where I'm like, no car. And I'm because, because, you know, you get to a point where people just pick you up in a car mm. and you go... And I guess it's partially it's status, partially it's expectations, partially it's what you're told to what you expect and, and, and partially it's what you get used to and what's comfortable. And then, so, you know, and you've got to check yourself and be like, oh, no, I'm pretty sure I never got a car to pick me up to go to my job at Rivoli. <laughs> um, you know, and it's, it's just, but it is, you know, so it's this sneaky little devious thing that can go and get you. But that said, I like to try and always remember to be grateful because you get to meet people like, you know, um, like John DiMaggio and Billy West. <laughs> ben Kingsley. And Sir Ben Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley. Sorry, Sir Ben Kingsley. If you ever want to interview him on this show. If you're show, listening, uh, he's listening. Sir Ben Kingsley. He's listening. <laughs> They're all listening. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, I mean the, the list is dizzying to the, you know, the, the Liam from, from when we were hanging out making Shotgun. What yeah. about the lamb from when we were hanging out making Where's the Punchline, which was a sketch show that we oh, made where's the punchline? Uh, 11 years ago. Where's the where punchline? We, where's the punchline? Anyway. It's everyone's favorite show. Yeah. Uh, where we were essentially trying to make Monty Python, and then you flash forward, uh, what, 11 years, and fuck, you know, just, just going to Bulgaria to do a film with John Cleese. <laughs> yeah, that was insane. I got to meet one of my absolute heroes and work with him and do a Monty Python sketch with him by accident. You did a Monty Python sketch with him by accident. Yeah, he's just he was in this makeup in the chair and we were chatting because you know I chat to John Cleese now. That's a thing. You I shut do. your mouth. Yeah, and it's just but that's what I mean about grateful. You just I, I yeah. sit there and go, there's no fucking way that actually happened in real life. I'm obviously on drugs and have gone crazy. Um, yeah, so we were actually talking like people it's <laughs> mental and and then he started to, they sort of looked around at his fat suit and he was like oh it's like something out of meaning of life right you know it's like and I was like not another wafer and he sort of looked at me and I was like well, what what do you okay so do you want me to do the other bit like I, you know, I was sort of looking at it like he sort of looked expectational so I was like <laughs> oh no I'm stuffed and he just kept going and then we ended up kind of riffing the the sketch bit from the fat guy in Meaning of Life before he explodes and I was like I just did that that's <laughs> bullshit I can't that's an experience I can't have unhad that's incredible it's a far cry from throwing a croissant at me that's pretty great though I gotta admit 
Wow. There were some very middling to good sketches in that show. <laughs> <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, boy, we put in some effort. We sure got some points yep. on that some we did scale some stuff. Yeah, I've still got in my house back in, in, in here in Melbourne, I've still got all the sketches that Dean and I wrote before we brought it to you. <laughs> uh, them, and I'm I'm sure they made sense at the time. I read them and it's like, I mean, there's a few where I'm like, oh, I can imagine me finding that really funny. And there's some where you just go, what the shit, man? What were you thinking? This is awful. But, you know, live and learn. Talk about, you know, lessons. You, you don't know it's bad until you try it and go, that's bad. And then you can do a better one next time. That's true. And uh, four marks for persistence. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, again, but again, like that's the cool thing about life is that, I mean, let's be honest, you know, it kind of sucks. But we did it. Yeah. Which is kind of incredible. And I think people forget the importance of having the ability to say we did it as opposed to we should do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like people forget how, like, you know, I've got so many people I know that don't finish stuff. And I'm, I'm guilty of that too with a lot of things. And it's really annoying. And you're going to reach an age where you're like, should have finished that. <laughs> I should have started it. Yeah, you know, and, and even if you look back and go, it sucked, you still, like, I... I feel, yeah, I, I doubt, I don't know, maybe there are people, but I doubt that anyone achieving something and it not turning out as well as they may had hoped, being more satisfied than the person, I'm sorry, being less satisfied than the person that doesn't do it, that, that went, oh, good thing I didn't try to do that, you know, mm. like, like have a go at that sort of creative dream I had in the back locker, as opposed to going, so did it, it wasn't great, but I mean, I got it done, you know, yeah. it's like a person that builds their own house, or this, you know, the person that, that, that you know writes that song for their loved one at Valentine's, and your know, loved one sort of looks at them going, it's a bit poo, but you made it. You, know? <laughs> you made a yeah, song, which is kind of amazing. So you know, yeah. it's like you know, it's the sometimes it's the effort that counts. I so, mean, you know, uh, anyone who's listening to this, who's listened previously, will know that I, you know, I've said a few times that I think the meaning of life is to create. Um, sure. For me, I mean, that's that's for me, and I think that anyone, and and I think the base form of creation is love um and you know i can break down anyone's meaning of life for me into creation and love um i mean that's a humanistic perspective right I yeah you know like a humanism sort of thing yeah yeah exactly yeah um, I'm, I'm imagine you know two rocks in space <laughs> not a lot of love no, no who knows though who um, knows uh and but yeah, no, it's certainly in a, in a, for for you know for, for mankind or, or womankind and all that kind. Well, um, yeah, I guess I'm talking about from a, in a spiritual. Sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, no, and, and I mean in a scientific sense too. I mean, you, you love it, you make it a baby's, mm. make it a new world. I guess you could probably even look at it in an, in a more esoteric sense, like uh, um, you know, trees create, uh, plants create. Yeah, animals create. Um, well, certainly the anything living. System, the solar system yeah. is creating. The universe is creating. Galaxies are creating. Everything is constantly creating and constantly evolving. So maybe it is sort of bigger than a humankind point of thing. But anyway, the, this sort of segue was to go yeah, into right. asking you, yes, um, what you think, because you know we, we've been talking a lot about um, intuition, following your dreams, being persistent, um, but also being grounded hardworking, what do you think um, the meaning of all of this is? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sort of, I mean, I'm aligned with you in that, that sort of way and that I think, 
happiness, certainly from a human point of view, happiness seems to be what certainly motivates me. If I, I can, if I can create joy. I mean, I remember when I was trying to be an actor, I was sort of starting off dreaming of it. I, I was like, if I got the, had, I was you know gifted the chance to to one day make it. You know, um, wouldn't it be incredible to be able to touch more lives than I can currently influence and then mm. I remember one of the most touching moments of my entire life came on Twitter which is unusual <laughs> um, when a guy was uh, telling me on this one of the like, early days of Spartacus was like he watched the show he's, he's, he's like can you sort of give me like a Spartacus's blessing and I was like that's a bit weird on Twitter because we'd um, and he sort of went on um, through a few different tweets saying that his wife was pregnant and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, man, sure, you know. I mean, if it helps, sure. Well, what do you mean? And he was going on saying how his wife had miscarried so many times, like oh, wow. to the point where they were scared that they'd conceived again because it clearly wasn't meant to work out. Mm. And I was like, oh, geez, well, in that case, absolutely, you know, whatever, you know, I mean, absolutely, they let the gods be with you, all that sort of stuff, you know, because he found, they both found Spartacus inspiring to them, you know, and it was a a message of a story of strength and courage and stuff like that. Mm. And I was like, well, in that case, absolutely, man. Like, how dare I give you any less than that, you know? And then I, you know, it's Twitter. You sort of, you pop out a little message of, of try to make, you know, you connect with someone and you go, oh, well, I obviously touched this person's life in some way. Isn't that great? Mm. Forget about it for nine months. Nine months later, he comes back and I was like, what's this message? And it said, I just wanted to thank you. And I was sort of, you know, um, and I was looking at the name going, that's familiar. What are you thinking about what? And that twigged. I was like, and, and, and then he, he went on to say that he was like, well, I, thank you because it worked. We had our child. And, um, and I was like, and then he just wanted to thank me for giving him the courage to get, you know, both of them the courage to get through that. I was like, well, I mean, I didn't do that. Huh. Obviously, I mean, there's, there's, mm. there's nothing I did in that. But it was amazing to think that you someone... gave him permission. Yeah, even but not you know even I mean I still think even that's that's giving myself tickets I don't deserve it was just yeah, but it was the moments of like just the moment to go that this guy I mean does, who gives a shit what I think that's irrelevant mm. this guy thought that in some way I I'd had some impact in the success of their child yeah and I'm like I mean that's completely unfounded but still like to him it's valid and but had it been someone else in the role who may have been less gracious or sure. less have, have less gratitude yeah, like, I don't think the result you know, would have changed really but it's just not. the idea that you know I'm like I don't, I don't I have some sort of power in that way but the fact that it mattered to him was kind of the most humbling thing mm. I'd ever heard at that time and, and sort of a, a manifestation of that original years ago dream of going wouldn't it be nice to bring some happiness to people in a broader sense than what I can currently do with my you know, wonderful but limited comparatively friendship base, you know. Mm. And it was just the idea that, that was that was it manifesting itself in reality where you go, wow, that I, I actually that person got something from something I did. I don't even know them. And it's significant. It's not just, you know, mm. that, that's a life. That's a human life. I didn't do it. I didn't have anything to do with it beyond the fact that he thought that there was some sort of strength in something and, and, and that what I said mattered mm. you know like that, that that was kind of cool and then obviously in much more tangible ways you can actually make you know, I got to go to do the USO tour which was kind of fun, <laughs> profound for me where you it's got amazing. to see soldiers on the front line and you know, regardless of your political sway, you know, perspective on what the soldiering is all about just the idea that these people were like 
you know, risking their lives every day and then they're sort of sitting there going, Spartacus! You know, it's <laughs> Where just... Where was it? This is in Kuwait. We tried to go to Afghanistan, but it kind of literally got hot as we were getting ready to go. Yeah, right. And, and that I felt terrible because I'm like, I bet these, these guys need it the most and I bet they get it the least because of that reason. Yeah, but it was yeah. still like, still, I remember this moment again, like these amazing moments you get, which I'd never dreamt of being able to have where you, you're sort of congratulating all these guys on being so tough and brave and, you know, and all that sort of stuff up until a certain time of the day because they're like, we're all going home and you're like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, well done, well done. We got to do good work for sticking it out. All that business. Hope you enjoy your family and friends back home. And you say that to someone else, and they're like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "Oh, because you guys are all going home. No, we just got here. And we're um, here for." And you're like, "Oh, wow! It's just these amazing moments in life where." And then suddenly, everything you said for the rest of the day got so much more important because mm. these guys were about to wade into something. And it just, you know, it's just um, amazing that what you can, you know, and, and and again that sense of every person that you touch, you've got to really value and honor in some way you know like that you know the, the connections that you have with people and with the world around you is i mean in terms of like what is a worldview to carry with me in some sense mm. every connection you have with someone is is really important or something you know it's the same thing with people destroying the planet or all that sort of business like every, every moment that you throw trash out your window is an interaction with the planet that mm. you should be choosing to have maybe a different way and so Creating certainly. I mean, creating is is a great overarching functional word for how you walk through life, I suppose, mm. because everything that you touch, you create in some way, or you create something from it. So, yep. I think that's a really nice way of putting it. And certainly, love is a uh, love and happiness is a, is a. So I, I, I'm a, I like happiness more than love, but I don't think you can really get happiness without love. I think mm. happiness is very. I think I feel that love is is more active, like love is more of a choice or more of a decision or more of a direction to go in. Yep. <clears throat> Whereas happiness is a result, and I feel that, like in terms of my end game, I, I'd love, I'd love to make people happy in my. I always have as a kid. Like I used to be like, how can I make that person happier? Mm. And and to and, and that would be to love them or to do something active to them, which is to create something in them or in yourself to, to give them. So I get yeah, I mean create create is a really great way of, of looking at that. But certainly mm. like placing value and dignity and respect and love into every action that you do if you can, because you know I mean destructive actions just have so much more power than loving actions. Ain't that the truth? Um, but loving actions mean so much more in the long term. You know, it's just. Mm. It's like, for, for whatever reason, <clears throat> it's easier to live your life as a victim than it is to be proactive mm. and actually Absolutely. live. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going through that with loved ones at the moment. It's horrible. Yeah. And you're just sort of looking at someone going, stop being a victim. It's so easy. And they, you know, it's so... Easy is the wrong word because it's horrible, but it's like... It's, 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 in, it's easy to be indulgent. In yeah, that. well, you can, you can sort of languish in it and... and yeah. It doesn't demand you to change, even though on the surface you'd say, of course it does, it's horrible, but when you're in it, and I've been in it when I was younger, mm. going, yeah, it's just sometimes the only way you can feel empowered is is to make true the horribleness of your existence, and that's the victim role where you're like, yeah. if I can be a victim, at least I can control that and know that and be right about that and therefore get validated, validated by that. Whereas to change from something that is horrible to something that's wonderful or full of love is much harder but ultimately much more rewarding and it's, mm. it's just yeah I, I mean it's 
Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's very it's very high, it's an easy trap to get into and very hard well, to break out of. It's the mentality that life is happening to you. Yeah. As opposed to you being in control of what you're doing and actually taking responsibility for where you're at, yeah, for the choices that you make, yeah. and for the fear that you may possess and live with. Everyone lives with fear. Everyone is afraid of things. Absolutely. But there's nothing wrong with that. As soon as you own that, as soon as you sort of take control of that, well, not take control of it, but take ownership and take responsibility for that, yep. that's where you can become freed from it and you don't become a victim of it you become proactive and fuck man everyone's got their shit they're going through their baggage that they've brought with yeah. them there's no denying that i think actually people who are victims are denying that maybe yeah maybe you're right it's interesting i mean this is literally what i'm going through with this loved one right now going like just own that fear and it loses its power mm. doesn't make it any less terrifying doesn't make it any less powerful sort of uh. any less um painful but it loses it uh, at least in this is its in, potency. Potency is probably a better word. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, exactly. You suddenly, suddenly, it's something that you can now own, as mm. opposed to it owning you. You can go, all right, I get that, and I understand that, and it's okay. So since it's okay, I can now start making steps towards changing its level of potency or mm. effect. Which is, but it's freaking hard. Like I get it. When you're in it, you don't see it. No, yeah, you, it, it is. It develops. It's a you. poison. It's like yeah, a, you, you, just, you, you yeah. just see black. But I guess one of the most important things in those scenarios is knowing that there are always people who love you and who care about you, who can help you. This has just gone off on a, such an odd tangent. Well, you know, but, hey, um, but I guess that's, I presume that's what this is about. Yeah, exactly. It's I said just, something about tangents earlier. I don't really remember <laughs> it, but it seemed important. I think what it was was that there are tangents, or the whole show is a tangent. Something about the tangents. Yeah. No, I, tangent. mean, I, I mean, originally, I think way back, this was about Billy West. <laughs> <laughs> Zoidberg. Zoidberg. He's probably, he's probably a better. He's probably a better Robert. Robert. Uh, I don't know. You, you've been hanging out with him. I'm, I'm yeah. out of practice. <laughs> no, I, you, you're pretty good. It's pretty good. I like what uh, you're doing. Back in the day, I was going down. We, it's, it's pretty, for, again, mind-boggling to go, man, we used to just watch right. Futurama until Endlessly. six in the morning Yep. while we ate McDonald's. And now you do conventions with... I got to discuss where the word robot was coming from. Where was where was that? He was like, uh, he was telling me that because in like the old 40s science fiction movies, they they would be like, what would you do with this kind of robot (laughs) that is wanting to destroy the world? And so he was like, I like that for Zoidberg, this kind of robot. Um, It's just weird seeing people amazingly, because you don't see them. And you're seeing their cartoon characters when the person that does the voice just slips into that voice. You're like, huh? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you do the voice, but you just... Because you're like, wow, that guy does a really good Zoidberg. That is Zoidberg. <laughs> you're like... You're like um. I can't actually say I've ever had that experience before. It is it is everything you want it to be. In Other than when you've done the Spartacus voice. Ah. Have ah. I done that? No. No, I don't think that's ever happened. I'm, 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 I'm shy around my Spartacus voice. <laughs> Sparing. Um, Sparing, yes. I, yeah, I also I remember that. <laughs> People love that stuff. But I, I, I saved I saved Lucy Lawless from having to do the Xeno thing once, which was my like little claim to fame. There, <laughs> I was like, I'll cover this one. I remember you telling me one of the first uh, Comic Cons. I think yeah, you did. Um, not the Lucy Lawless story. Oh, okay. you, you did tell me that one, but um, uh, you were walking around. With... <laughs> I know where this is. Go on, you tell the story. Okay. I presume you're going for the story that I find was, again, another wonderfully humbling experience where I was, 
<laughs> tell me if this isn't the story you want me to tell. But this is where I had a publicist for the first time, which in itself is strange. Uh, walking around Comic-Con, which I used to dream of going to as a kid, and now I was going to as a job, uh, which is, again, super strange. And there was someone dressed up as Spartacus, <laughs> or at least he was really confused if he wasn't dressing up as Spartacus. <laughs> and he was Just standing, his regular attire. Could be. He's standing very proudly outside, and I was between things that I had to be at, so I was being ushered across this sort of field. And my publicist pointed him out and was like, oh, look, you know what? You should go up and say hi. I bet it would make his day. And I was like, uh, what, really? Oh, that, okay. Well, I mean, is this the story you're thinking of? No, but go on. Really? No. Oh, dear God. Now I'm wasting a story. Uh, oh, no, this, oh, I thought, oh, okay. No, I feel like a dick. Uh, no, I want to hear, I haven't heard this story. Really? No. And it's just, he was standing so proudly with no shirt on and stuff and underpants, essentially. Um, and I was like, oh, you want me to, do you think, really, you think I'd make his day? And I was like, she's like, yeah, look at him. Of course, he'd love that. Uh, I was like, oh, all right. So I kind of like awkwardly kind of walked over, like going, it's like trying to talk to a girl on a date. It was weird. <laughs> um, and it, and uh, I sort of awkwardly walked over and I kind of just went up. I was like, hey, man, he looked over. I was like, cool, cool costume, dude. That's awesome. He sort of just looked for a second and just went, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And he looked back out proudly. <laughs> And I sort of stood there awkwardly going... You were that guy. Okay. I'm just going to just gonna walk away then. I've, I guess it's, I'm not sure if this is really what anyone was expecting this to be. And I sort of went back to her and she's like, how was that? I'm like, I don't think he knew who I was. I, I don't know if... I don't really know what I was doing. That was really, really awkward. He didn't recognize you out of your loincloth. Yeah, I don't know if maybe he wasn't to do a spider. No, it just it was just his kind of like disdainful, like yeah, it's pretty great. And just I was like, oh, all right, we're all we're all very uncomfortable now. Uh, so what was the story you wanted me to tell? Maybe he was actually um, dressed as Jared Butler out of three hundred. That's he was what just like I'm ten thinking. years late. Yeah, he may have. This could be possible. I don't know. It was whatever it was. I don't want to revisit it. <laughs> Uh, no, I was thinking of, um, I can't remember her name now, and that's not great, um, Leela from... Uh, oh, you mean Sir Katie Seagal? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Maurice LaMarche? What? Oh, there's all these stories. Carry on. I, you were telling me that this... The, I, I've, I, already, I've already had a failed attempt at telling a story. I'm pretty sure the story that I'm going... Like, it's not Go actually it. really a story. Hit it's it. more of a quip. Yep. Um, but I want to hear the, the other story that you thought I was going to tell about Katie Siegel. All right. But the, what all I was going to say was I remember you telling me when you were walking around with her at Comic-Con and she just started and, and you just kind of clicked. You thought, oh, this woman sounds a lot like Leela. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, no, that, wait, this, this is Leela. Yeah. Because, it, yeah, she sounds profoundly like Leela. Mm. And again, for a very good reason. Yeah. Uh, Probably but the yeah, best reason. Yeah, for the exact best reason of being Leela. <laughs> uh, but no, now you tell a better Kate, Katie Siegel story. No, that's, the, that's it. That's it. Uh, except the fact, again, that I was uh, in the same experience because I was so excited about meeting all the people from Futurama and I got to meet uh, Billy West then for the first time. Uh, but also Maurice LaMarche, who's hilarious. And uh, my lasting memory of Maurice LaMarche was us being pulled in different directions by different people, going to different events, trying to be like, because we kind of had just, we just had a hallway to talk in. And we found we'd clicked quite well and I really liked him and I, I guess the feeling was mutual in that way. 
and uh, and we were like, well, let's catch up at this thing tonight. I was like, uh, have you got my? Where am I going to be? Where's who's not? What number have you got? Oh, we have. You got to go. And then he was like being dragged into this service elevator at the back of some <laughs> event, and I was like, well, I'm, well, it's going to be at this place. Where's the event? Where is it? And she's like, I don't have the paper. I'm like, ah, come on. As the gates were closing in this like very like alien esque kind of elevator. And all I remember was just getting the paper and being like, it's going to be in the crook. And then hearing as it went up, <laughs> no! Like from Maurice LaMarche as he was taking up in an elevator full of people. He was just yelling that out. That, I don't know what the other people in the elevator would have thought. But my memory was this elevator traveling away to the sound of no! Which was, to me, just like... I, <laughs> tremendous. Just tremendous. It was like being in Futurama as Calculon was dragged away. It was wonderful. <laughs> oh, wow. <coughs> that was much better than the KDC. I like that KDC Gold story. <laughs> I like it as well because it was uh, emblematic of the wonder, I guess, that you, that you approach everything with. Yeah, life's um, crazy. Life is crazy. Um, That's what makes it great, though. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think we were talking the other day about how it feels like every six months my my life gets turned on its head in some in some <laughs> sure. shape or form. Absolutely. Um, and I feel like that happens to a lot of my peers, like a lot of the people who I hang out with. Uh, I mean, even you were saying, you know, at the end of every job, there's always the, the stress and the anxiety of that could have been your last job. Yeah. Um, acting is a mental job it's mm. just yeah no, absolutely. the whole entertainment industry is this weird kind of travelling circus of a job where everything's contract work and high it, I mean it's the weirdest game of poker where everything's high stakes high reward heavy losses mm. yeah everything I mean it's a part of the problem is that it's it's this it's the same kind of addictive emotion spiral of of, of you know being in a casino of life <laughs> where you're just like I win hooray oh lose oh show was cancelled don't know if I'll ever win again all the money's gone oh hooray I win again oh no I haven't won for ages you know it's this weird now you're uh, bankrupt yeah uh, yeah, yeah do not collect $200 taking um, your front gate MC Hammer <laughs> right right ah <laughs> oh, so sad he shouldn't yeah, have spent all that money. He though. really shouldn't have. No, just save a little bit. Just a bit. Maybe who maybe knows? A might rain mil. one day. Maybe it would rain. Mm. Uh, but that's, and that's the other thing: is people aren't equipped because I mean, even me, I was like, I was used to working a regular job, and they take the tax out. Not in Spartacus, they don't take the tax out. You go like, hooray, I'm rich, hooray, spending money. Give me that tax. What? what? <laughs> oh, oh, that, that's not mine to spend. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. good thing I didn't spend it all. Other people not so lucky. Um, and I think that's what people get themselves in trouble. They they see money coming in and think that it's just fair game, and that other people get in that habit of like treating it like a regular job when it damn well isn't, and then mm. they just spend all the money thinking, "Don't worry, next year the show won't get." Oh wait, <laughs> well shouldn't have spent all that money, um, you know. And it's just it's a weird kind of job, but yeah. But I mean, certainly exciting as hell. Um, mm. as long as you can control it I mean you know, like your life will be turned upside down all the time so but I, and, and weirdly I think it draws people out of too I don't think I'd like a job that didn't have that facet no no it, it might probably be, be quite boring yeah you know which is like other people that I know and, and love that's their ideal job mm. boring as shit and totally regular and mm. they can totally expect everything to happen a certain way so they can do outside of that they can do what they want mm. and live the life they want to uh, with the security of knowing what's coming whereas I guess 
in the entertainment industry, it's probably the wrong job to want that from. No. <laughs> no. Right? I mean, I'm doing a whole podcast on why we, uh, why we choose a, an objectively insane existence. You said it was about tangents. <laughs> you lied. The tangent changed. Uh, and now it's about that. You bastard. You bastard. <laughs> <laughs> that voice will never get old. Old Jewish man now. Love it. Old Jewish man now. I want some taquitos. You still got that tape. What was the tape? The diamond. The <laughs> diamond. The diamond. Yeah. Sweetheart. Yeah, what was it called? You don't have to be Jewish. But it helps? No. No. You don't have to be Jewish. I can't remember. All I can remember is it sounded like a Mel Brooks tape. Yeah, it was wonderful. You don't have to be Jewish. And then they had a song about a a guy called Irving (laughs) who had the 142nd fastest gun in the West. (laughs) (laughs) I assume he was a terrible cowboy. I don't think that sounds helpful at all. No. No, not at all. As long as you don't meet that first those 141 people faster than you, you're okay. <laughs> um. So, I mean, one thing that I like talking to people about that I find fascinating mm. is um, sustaining a romantic relationship yeah. in this industry because I see so many people um, who just simply can't do it for whatever reason that may be. And, you know, I know a lot of people who have had relationships that have broken down because they've met other people in the industry or because of the long working hours or whatever reason that may be. Um, But you have managed to find the love of your life in the industry, um, get married, find a really amazing and strong way to make that work and to sustain the relationship Mm -hmm. to be, you know, maintain the love which as you say is a choice and is something mm-hmm. that you have to work at yep. you know really hard yep. and to be each other's best friends and each and each other's um, confidence I guess you what... know too much about that relationship <laughs> just ignore the cameras <laughs> um, I try uh, yes sorry uh, I guess I guess where I'm going with this is how have you managed to, to arrive at this sort of point I mean you don't drink you don't smoke for as long as I've known you, which is 12 years now, you've right. never been intoxicated in any way other than <laughs> being intoxicated in life, <laughs> intoxicated in love. But you've Not a ne- metaphor. No, not at all. <laughs> um, at, at your wedding day, I've never seen someone so drunk on love before. Yeah, but remarkably sober. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> sober on booze. Yeah. Does that work? Nope. No. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I guess, how have you arrived at this point? You, 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 you know, uh, your wife was not the first person that you dated within the industry. It's true. Um, and, and that particular relationship was eventually fraught with the same kind of uh, issues that we've seen th- from other people, friends, peers, that have tried to have a relationship in the industry, but this one worked. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know what the right way to answer that. I don't know how to answer that correctly. It just, it just, I mean, like I always said to Aaron, I, as soon as I saw her, I was like, I want to marry you if I talk to you, which I'd never felt before, which I didn't know I was able to feel. I'd, like, I'd have one, I'd have some wonderful relationships before. They really were. They were terrific. And, and, and I learned and grew so much and they're wonderful people. Um, 
and it was just this odd feeling with her and uh, again just such a two way street such a reciprocal thing you know it was just like I don't know how it worked I'm just very fortunate I, I, I love but, you know I guess from, from my other relationships I kind of realised that if I love someone don't be a dick just love <laughs> them you know like don't be too proud for something don't be have to be right too much always say sorry even if it's not your fault you know and I don't always do that I just try to remember it so that mm. I you know and it's just like just put them first and if you put them first and they put you first you'll both be first mm. you know and, 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 and there's nothing more satisfying than that feeling of seeing someone that you trust love and completes you and someone looking back at you with that same look there's just no there's no equal to that um, and, and it's worth so much more than you know almost a, a litany of other things that seem to get in the way and, and, and I mean it's hard our industry is like a, a literal minefield of horrible experiences designed almost to destroy that mm. whether it's huge levels of money insecurity or financial insecurity uh, or locational insecurity or job insecurity or you know uh, emotional insecurity or constant rejection or massive uh, emotional strains uh, the fact that when you are successful you're showing uh, hedonistic delights beyond your wildest dreams if that's your bag mm. that you partially sometimes your job is to have sex with other people like not literally but to basically mimic the emotional progression sometimes for years at a time mm. sometimes you spend more time with a fake girlfriend than a real one you know and it, it, it's like there's so many parts of it that are just designed to destroy you you know in that weird way yep and um, or designed to destroy what it is that you um, that you want from a relationship um, is that her then? it's literally my wife calls she just knows <laughs> she always knows um, I will call you soon, Aaron, with all the good news about how together we are. Um, <laughs> no, and uh, and it's just, it's, it's just, it. I get it. It's freaking hard, and I get told incredible stories of, you know, producers doing things that I thought weren't true. You know, in terms of, you know, moving there, um, being you know sexually demanding and things like stuff that is quite troubling, and other actors and other things. You just. You know, stuff that, again, is nothing I've validated, but just I just don't want to even believe is true, but I'm mm. sure is, you know. It's just, it's just, again, power, money, opportunity. Um, there's so many things. Uh, and, and so it's, again, it's, it's a very, 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 very hard industry to sustain good relationships in. But ultimately, that's each person's responsibility. And mm. I've just, from other relationships, gone... There is no way having sex with some, sure, pretty woman just because they're there is worth giving up. Because that's ultimately at some level what you're giving up. The trust, security, and, um, and peerless emotional love mm. that you've created with someone through so much hard work and, and an emotional bond and... and I just like I mean I get the temptation I get that can happen I get I get stuff there's so many reasons why it can happen but it just it just shouldn't 
you know, no. it's just so sad because there are like wonderful relationships that just fall apart because people aren't strong enough to keep them together. Yep. And, and, and the reward for keeping them together is so great, but it does require an amazing amount of sacrifice and trust discipline and discipline yeah absolutely and, and but that, I think reminding yourself of, of that feeling you had when you first met them and and, main, and trying to work hard for each other because again it's it's a two way street and, and as soon I find that as soon as someone starts working harder than the other one's prepared to then it's you're, it's a bad thing and, and communication is like with Erin I, I was the first person I've had amazing communication with and she's had such balls like she'll She'll just tell me, like, and that's so <laughs> great because men are pretty dumb in my experience. Not, yeah. not in a bad way. And men are just more two dimensional. Yeah, well, you know, it's. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. It's like they're, they're very sophisticated people, but but they just they don't they don't run on a level of emotional nuance that, nah. that women do and women expect. And and Aaron's the first person I know that just goes, "Oh, emotional nuance." Well, here it is. You know, like <laughs> she just goes, "You're being a dick," and I go, "Oh." Yeah, I'm sorry. Whereas other people that I know would be like, I don't know. It's almost like you should know. Yeah. And I, as a man, I can safely say, I don't. I'm yeah. an idiot. And on the flip side, I find that um, I have in the past, and men tend to uh, avoid emotions so actively in such an unhealthy way mm. that, like, and, and, and there is the first time I've actually been able to go, hey, you know what? I don't usually say this, but I'm feeling this right now. Yeah. And she goes, well, you, you know, what, you know, and then we respond and we talk about it and it's, it keeps things from taking, uh, taking a, a turn or becoming something they're not. And it, and it helps so much because a lot of people just, I know people that have been in love and it's so sad because like, and the guy has bottled up something for like a decade. Mm. And then in one moment of emotional explosion, destroyed everything by churning out 10 years of baggage in one, yeah. in one week and the person's like you know whereas if you meted that out it, it wouldn't have changed all the feelings but you'd been able to have sort of let off the steam as opposed mm. to the whole kettle exploding you know yep. and so and it's just so sad to see it because you're like it didn't need to be this way mm. and then same with, with girls that are, are sort of like I don't know just too emotionally sophisticated or too emotionally Volatile in a way that isn't that, that doesn't that men in a language that men don't speak and, and you know it goes a bazillion reasons but anyway for me like the, the communication with Aaron has been so great that I can actually go I kind of know where I'm at in this relationship all the time mm. and I can adjust myself all the time to make sure that I'm still the person I want to be with you and I'm lucky Aaron's the first person that I've got to be the full me mm. I, and I guess this is a thing that guys can do where they give you a version of them that they think you'll want and I've, I've done that where I'm like you know what I, I, just to save a fight I'm going to be this guy and this will be yeah, so sexy yeah, to yeah. you and, and it's to be the guy and, but eventually guys can't do that and I'll, and I'll turn back into me and justifiably the girl will be like well, I didn't sign up for that I signed up for the cool guy not this dick you know mm. and, and, and so with Aaron I've got to be me and, and like we, I, I like to think we sacrifice for each other equally and, and as much as we can to make sure because it's hard but it's so amazing yeah and it's so worth it, you know. Like she, she gave up. She was in a musical when I met her, and I just got Spartacus. Well, I was just about to get Spartacus, I guess. I should best way of saying it. And so she was working all week. She has one day off. I'm in New Zealand, exhausted from fighting every day, pretty much. 
And so she'd fly over for, for one day wow. to see me. And without that, I, I don't know. And, and, and like that level of self-sacrifice, I, she, now she lives in America with me. The amount of self-sacrifice she's done mm. to make me happy, I can only hope that I can try and live, match that. You and know, to like, help you have a career. Yeah, you know, and, mm. and, and, and often at her, at her career's detriment. I, I will never be able to repay that, repay that. So all I can do is hope to try. Mm. You know, and so like all these things of, of, if you give the other person everything you have, I feel like your relationship's going to be okay if they're doing the same thing for you. Mm. And, but yeah, I mean, Hollywood specifically is fraught with opportunities to <laughs> not do that. Yes. You know, and, and so I get it. It just, it just seems like a shame. I think one of the big lessons I've had over the last six months going through a, a breakup and mm. some you know, big sort of career changes as well um, is has been about choosing to be in love over choosing to be right. That's the, exactly what I guess I was trying to get at before. It's a yeah. much more succinct way of saying what There's, I was trying um, to say. There's a guy named uh, <coughs> Dr. Bruce Lipton, and yeah. he is a massive uh, advocate for um, choosing love over choosing being right. Uh, yeah. and, and I went and saw a lecture of his um, a few months ago, and it was... Uh, quite remarkable to look at mm. even chemically how your body Ooh. mind and everything changes when you are choosing love when you're when you're living from a place of love and you know i as i said i have i'm, I'm not married i haven't mm. um, i haven't had uh, a long relationship for a little while Still. but i've certainly had um intense relationships and Never, never happier than when you're in that love um, with someone and you're both giving and receiving mm. that level of love um, and you're both working on it. So, um, Well, it just seems to create so many positive, I mean, whether mm. it's chemically releasing positive things and it's just, life's simple, like life's hard enough without so much, like too much agenda, especially with the people that you love. If mm. you, and you know what just having someone that you can trust and talk to and trust you trust is unbelievably important like it's such a strong fundamental part of a relationship and just it just means so much if someone trusts you that's such an such incredible power it may be one of the biggest powers I think you can grant someone yeah even more than love because trust is such a component love I think I know people that are in love that shouldn't be in love with people, you know, like, and it's just like, this is destroying you because they've given that most powerful key to it, which is trust someone that maybe doesn't return it in kind or or is not a good guardian of that trust. Yeah. But when you have, so I, you know, with Erin, I trust her implicitly and it's such a big thing to give somebody uh, because it is so powerful because it basically is, is like, you know, like the power of attorney to your soul, you know, where you're just like, if you if you betray this because I trust you, I won't know. Mm. You know, so when I talk about being a good judge of character or whatever it is, um, it's very it's a, it's basically the moment where you forego your judge of character requirements, which makes life wonderful because you're not looking at someone going, I "Wonder if this is legit or not." <laughs> you know, which is not like something I do, but you know, it's a horrible situation. It's something on the it, it's in, it's in the background. You know, where you you're always just like, "Oh, he said that." No, no, that'll be right. Mm-hmm. You know, where, whereas with someone, if you've given them all your trust, you just essentially go because I think I can turn that off, and that's wonderful. 
But it's very hard to find the right person to do that with. And if you can both give that to someone, that's incredibly wonderful. Like mm. it just really just lets you, it's the first time you can really be, I, I think, really be at peace and that truly happy mm. where you can just be like, I am just happy with you. So when people sabotage that, it feels sad, like a missed opportunity to be dangerous. Yeah. And as you say, people will do it for whatever reason they will do it. And I sure. think that there's, valid. particularly in society nowadays, um, such a highly sexualized idea of you know, relationships and like life. Things, and pace is so fast. You know, things things yeah, are so yeah. immediate. But I mean, yeah, without sounding crass or crude, I think that actually, you know what I'm not going to say that. Sound, sound crass or crude. I, yeah, I just I just think that if you if you fuck someone for a moment's gratification, it's essentially just masturbating into a person. <laughs> I've heard that expression before. Gross. It, it is gross. Uh, but yeah, I've, I mean, I've heard that totally. And it, it's sort of, I don't know. I mean, everyone has their reasons. I and mean, again, like I've also been trying to exercise and again, the value of, 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 of not judging. I mean, I have a lot of wonderful opinions that I think are great. They could all be wrong. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, masturbated to that person. Maybe you both love it. You know, again, like yeah. I, 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 there are different people that, that value different things in different ways. My, my perspective on trust may be irrelevant to other people. And, yeah, and yeah. I don't, that's not something that I, I probably won't be friends with that person specifically. Maybe I would. Who knows? Everyone's different. Um, but only because we probably have different ideals or, or different um, mm. operate, you know, it's the ways of operating. I can't say, you know, it's the same, like, you know, whether it's religion or anything, I can't say that person's wrong. It seems to be somewhat arrogant. Um, but it does, I mean, certainly to the way I live my life, it certainly seems like I, I wouldn't see the value in that, put it that way. You know, like I, I couldn't mm. see the value of, of giving up something wonderful. But again, you know, I guess often the case is if you're doing that, you probably haven't put the effort in. Or like, yeah, nice, again, that's not even right. You know, there's, there's something, obviously there's something that's not quite running in right for you at mm. home perhaps, you know, and then maybe there's some other adjustments to have been made prior to that. Mm. You know, there's, there's reasons for everything. I guess everything has a causality. I suppose what I'm saying is I think there's a certain sacredness that's been taken out of um, the intimacy that yeah, two people can share in yeah, a relationship. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree. I certainly like, I look at divorce rates and stuff, and in some cases it's like totally justified. And sometimes I go, oh, maybe you could have worked harder. Again, it's case by case, and it's easy to say it's hard. Yeah, yeah it is. It like is. again, like maybe I'll, you know, God help me, I hope it never happens with me. And I, but again, I mean, relationships are just hard. So I mean, I get it when things go wrong. I mean, I'm from a broken marriage and stuff. Yeah, like me that. too. Sure, you know, and it's very common, and it's very common to our generation. It's, and it's, and it doesn't hurt. I, you know, it hurt at the time, but I, I'm a very strong person now, and in some ways better. And I think maybe my relationship's better for the experience I went through with that one. You know, mm. and and so again, like that's that's the I guess the wonderful thing about life. There's no right or wrong answers about it. Just mm. you know, you just try to gather the lessons as you go. Yep. And then interview friends about their lessons on a podcast. Ha! <laughs> meta. Very I meta. That's Look called. At you've gone through different levels there. That's right. Totally inceptioned the podcast. Yeah. I mean, people who are listening, uh, who have listened previously, know that I have essentially uh, ripped the concept of this podcast off uh, Pete Holmes. Um, and he kind of ripped it off uh, Mark Maron uh, openly. Well. So I guess this is definitely a podcast inception. But uh, yeah. you're a religious person. Correct. Um, you are of the Christian faith. I am. That's how I was raised. 
you were brought up in that way. I mean, there are a lot of people that I, you know, friends who were raised in that way but did not continue in the belief uh, into Absolutely. their adulthood. Certainly. Um, tell me a little bit about your your views on religion and your religion. Um, well, I mean, I was, I was raised Christian. I mean, that, that helps in the, the effort to become Christian. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, religion, it's a funny thing. I Certainly, it's fallen out of fashion um, insofar as a belief system can be fashionable. Um, I guess as I grow, I, I mean, certainly as a kid, I was like, cool, Jesus, God, boom, that's, there it is. That's, I mean, that's pretty straightforward. I think we all know where we came from. You know, it, it makes a very clear story yeah. uh, and gives you a very clear set of guidelines that I maybe, you know, people would, that would look at me indifferent, either, either as a kid or now would go, you maybe took to heart too much in the sense that I'm pretty square and pretty straight edged mm. because I guess from those lessons I took, I'm pretty like wow bad things happens if, if you do bad things you know if you steal from people so like I still remember some Simpsons poster I stole from Roderick Bolt when I was like eight and I thought Roddy D yeah Roddy 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 B Roddy B Roddy sorry. Bolt um, yeah sorry Roderick um, I don't even know if I really stole it I just took it I think off there was a poster from like some magazine anyway I, you know the thing is obviously my religious upbringing or like the extent of my upbringing that was religious uh, led me to a place where I was really like God's going to hate me this is it I'm done like I, I, I wanted it so too much and I've given in to the devil and all this sort of business I, I don't think this is exactly what was going through my head at the time I just mm. felt bad but um, you know it, uh, so I mean I, I, by the same account I've never been I guess aggressively religious and aggressively is probably a, no no you've never pushed your religion onto me or yeah you know like but, you know and again I was going to say that aggressive is probably a crudely used word that doesn't really represent what people that truly like have a have a passionate outward excitement about their religion some sometimes it can be very aggressive as we know but yeah but the, you know, there's also people that are just truly excited about it in a way that I certainly in today in today's day and age it seems a bit like whoa all right easy now. Um, so I've never been that kid I guess I was never really overtly outward about many things as I was growing up mm. um, but yeah I mean to me it certainly uh, built a strong moral code in me and, and, and I guess secured me to a, a path that would be like you know here's, a, here's an option of how to be a good person and, and here's, a, here's a way to understand the world that makes sense to you mm. uh, and that, that feels right and feels instinctual and lets you have some solace when things are hard and I, I, mean, I remember crying on the steps of church of a church and just hoping that things would work out and then you know one of those you know the moon comes up at a certain time just as I was saying it and I go wow and I get a profound sense of you know for, of, of hope around, amongst it and to me that's a very real religious experience mm. And I have no doubt that some of my very atheistic friends would be like absolutely laughing up their sleeve, and understandably so. I mean, it's it's it could easily be as coincidental as it is profoundly moving. But because of the way I look at the world, it gave me a certain level of of profundity that that let me, you know, f succeed or move forward with something I was going mm. through. And to me, that what, what what's not to like about that in terms of the God that I understand and I love. You know, and, and it, it's, that's what I want from it. That's what I get. And why should I argue with that? Uh, I'm not out to be right. I'm out to try and be a good person and, and bring happiness to other people and myself. And so far, and, and in different ways, it's delivered on all of that. And I, and I think, you know, like I thank 
my understanding of God for a lot of that, as long as my, my friends, family and upbringing and stuff like that. Um, but as I've grown up, I guess I've, I've sort of looked at, at my understanding of my Christian God and looking at all my other friends and people that are diverse, like my Jewish friends, because I went to Caulfield grammar and so so many of my friends were Jewish and then you know, my Muslim friends and my non-denominational friends and my agnostic friends and my atheistic friends and Hindu friends you know it's, there's such a big world right and and so I sit there going wow hang on is this does make all those people wrong or like is it really like a game like that that there's mm. a winner and a loser and, and I was sort of going what do I know about God in my understanding of it, it doesn't make sense that he'd just be like well that's you know he or she or whatever it is the energy that that is, and indeed, my own my own wife, she doesn't she doesn't see the world quite the same way as, as that. And I'm like, well, you know, like I, I'd sort of look at religious wars and go, I don't I don't feel right. Like, it doesn't feel like the kind of God and like world that I'd signed up to, you know. So I was like, so what does that mean to me? And so I guess I kind of started adjusting or, or really trying to think through how I relate to spiritualism and to the energies of the universe as it were um, in a way that makes sense to me and so I guess I came to this point where I understand that energy of, of creation or existence um, in a Christian way because that's mm. how it was explained to me and it makes sense to me in the way my brain's put together and it makes just as much sense to me that that same entity, thing, creature, energy whatever it would be uh, manifests in other ways to other people, whether it's through understanding of the world in a scientific way, or, or you know, why would why would someone uh, raised in China understand some white white dude with a beard? You know, like it just mm. doesn't seem to make sense. So why not give them something that, in their world and their understanding of it, um, gives them a moral structure and a way of moving forward to create a better world and a better place to exist in, in a way that makes sense to them. So I'm kind of like, well, you know whatever this energy is, it makes sense to me in the way so I can call myself a Christian and um, sense to other people in a way that they call themselves what what makes sense to them to be better people, I hope. And I only really feel bad for people that don't seek to be better people. Mm. You know, I don't feel that you, if you don't, you know, don't hang on to a particular sort of name for that, um, that's a bad thing. I just think that if you don't want to improve yourself or... Um, try to create a, a world that is better than the one you entered. Um, that, that's a little sad. So, I mean, I, I'm I'm glad to have my religious beliefs because it helps me, for, you know, sort of forge a path to a, uh, hopefully leaving a better world in some tiny, in almost insignificant way than the one I entered in. And that would be wonderful. Um, you know, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's multi-layered. It's probably more complicated than that, what I'm actually saying. No, I understand. Uh, and I think a great thing that you said there or that you alluded to was wonderful um, yeah, cool. or, you know, full of wonder, sure. which I think is something that religion can bring and can bring to the world is a sense of wonder, a sense of almost magic or mystic. Yeah. Um, I heard a great saying that um, a poet that I, um, that I love uh, said his name's Anis Mojgani. Mm-hmm. Um, New York based poet he said that magic is just science undiscovered um, and I think sure. that, I think that that's such an amazing sentiment because 
there's so much in the world that we don't understand, but everyone's constantly trying to explain everything. Mm. Scientists, people with this sort of line of thinking, this regimented way of being, are really trying to understand everything in a scientific way. But, you know, there is still plenty of magic and still plenty of wonder in the world. There are still plenty of things, probably majority of things that science can't explain. Yeah, so even that, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not particularly interested in like rationality versus religiosity or that mm. sort of like, you know, like I mean, in my understanding of you know Jesus performing miracles, I'm like, go ahead, explain it by science. He had a microwave or something. That's fine. <laughs> I've got no problem with that. The point is, it was kind of for the people of that time, yeah. it was incredible, you know. And 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 there's, I've I've no problem with, like I feel I feel sad for people that seek to destroy wonder. Um, like, because mm. I don't think science does that. I don't think I think people that like certainly people I understand that are very religious that that almost view science as the enemy. I think are driven a lot by fear of of, yeah. of something being you know discovering something that would damage their faith, and I understand that fear. I, I've gone through those moments of going, is everything I believe bullshit? Is that really? I mean, you know, I, is it really that? easy to just disappear to just to just explain away mm. and it's scary and I'm like no it's uh, you know I, I don't think you know even if, if facets of what I understand are not right um, you know it's delivered by humans so it's you know inherently flawed because people are flawed and then but the you know if something the, the idea that I mean science explains wonderful things wonderfully you know in a lot of ways and I, I, I look at pictures from the Hubble telescope and just go holy shit that's awesome it doesn't make me go oh god bullshit no. you know like and, and, and if and anything it, it humbles you and puts you know existence into perspective kind of yeah you know and, and I just find all of that just kind of exceptional and I, I like I like that science looks, seeks for more things to find incredible you know well, it's like cool. what you were saying uh, before about um, you know it doesn't really matter what the miracle in inverted commas was that Jesus performed sure and, you know, everything is a microcosm of itself. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at what you did for that person on Twitter, you know, as you were saying, it, you had no direct impact on them having a child. No, absolutely. No. However, the, the final result was that they believed in something, some sort of energetic experience yeah, of what happened. Yeah. And the end result was that they had a miracle in the sense that they had a child yeah, after so many... It seemed impossible. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, it's, that, it's, that, it's that energetic thing. I, I like, you know, I like, I, I frame my energetic understanding in, in a Christian viewpoint because mm. it's what I know. But, you know, I certainly, I certainly am excited by the idea that there are these energy transactions between people which certainly I don't know. I don't know if they're. I mean, I don't. I don't really care if they're based in any science. I don't, you know, it's like to me, it, it's that's the thing. If I've got atheistic friends that that enjoy arguing with me about the concept of the of religion, mm. and I'm fine, you know, and that's okay. And sometimes it makes me sad. Sometimes it doesn't. But just the idea that it's like, I don't really care if if you can disprove that there's some sort of energy transaction or some sort of thing. Because it doesn't change how I, my perception of it, and ultimately, perception to me is reality. Because mm. if I see something a certain way, right or wrong, that's how it is to me, you know. And and so, when I make somebody happy, generally there's a feeling around it that's generally good. I don't I don't really remember a moment where I made someone laugh and then went, oh, yuck, mm. you know. Like there's there's some, 
And whether it's, I mean, whether it's just a bunch of, of micro, you know, micro um, uh, tells or whatever it is in somebody's features that then release it, trigger something in the brain that releases some chemicals, don't mind. That's fine. Great. And it's, explaining it is wonderful. Um, but the fact is it's something that feels tangible in my perception of the world. And mm. so I, you know, I feel good. And whether that's God going thumbs up, have some karma or um, just you <laughs> going, Hey, good stuff. That's awesome. Um, it, you know, I, I absolutely, there's, there's good stuff in the world and more good stuff generally makes more good stuff and more bad stuff generally makes more bad stuff. And however you want to kind of position that or fashion that, I don't really mind. I, I just like that it's there. So you imagine that God has thumbs? Yeah, my God has thumbs. That, yeah, was, right. that was essentially what I took away from it. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, essentially that was the message. Yes. That everyone, is, I don't care what you believe, as long as your God has thumbs. God has thumbs. Uh, Dexterous thumbs. What is your idea of God? <laughs> well, like I was saying, it's um, it's kind of, you know, I, I mean, I'm a nerd, so I do like to sort of, uh, sort of unabashedly kind of dismiss the, 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 that, that argument by going, hey, you know, video games and stuff, where it's kind of like, what's the difference between a super awesome god gaming dude that was like, I made this universe called the universe... <laughs> Wasn't very original, um, and then <laughs> didn't have this, a uh, thesaurus, you know. And then there's this thing going on here, and there's this um, guy sort of going. That's interesting. Look at this. You know, it's kind of like fine. You know, I, I I play video games all the time, but what if those people actually could understand me, and I don't realize it? Whatever. Or if I influence their life, you know, it's it's kind of there's mm. uh, whatever it is. There's some kind. Of, I, I just my understanding of God is there's some sort of thing out there. Um, that has brought this into existence. Uh, I see it as a, I guess I see it as a white dude with a beard with a sun and stuff, you know, and uh, there you go. Um, Because that's what I know from when I was young and it makes sense to me and I can process that through my human brain with its words and its limits Mm -hmm. um, in a way that I go, cool, yeah, that, yep, that that, that fits. fits That fits with what I need um, to be able to live a good life and hopefully... I mean, again, I, I don't even understand. You know, it's the, the hardest is, is, again, this is the tangent show, but this is, it's, I guess, for me, in terms of my religious experiences, the hardest part of having a, a life where I feel loved and feel happy and reconciling it with my religious part of self is going, wait, so you're telling me there's a heaven, what the fuck would that be? Yeah. Uh, and that is actually, it's the weirdest experience where I've gone, wow. I'm so happy right now, I don't understand what heaven would be offering me. And that's the only time that I've really gone, huh, what does that mean mm. to all the things I believe? Up until then, I'm like, oh, you explained it by science, great, no problem. I still feel like I'm a good person. I still feel like there's some sort of energy that's giving me some sort of strength or helping me or guiding me and stuff like that. And, you know, if it's not a white guy with a beard, that's fine. That just That's what makes sense to me. I just feel like there's something going on there that's beyond my understanding but still somewhat affecting my life mm. um, and it's, that's the first time where I've been so happy that I was someone was talking about heaven and I was like yeah heaven huh because you know you sort of like as a kid you go ah heaven is like it's like green fields and the sun and shit and you get to see Place people in the and, clouds you know cool that, yeah clouds and stuff and I'm sort of like hey, where only good stuff happens and that was the hard part I was like well so everything just work out huh kind of boring yeah. Like, you know, what, what would that be? I mean, like, you know, 
well, I guess just the happiest stuff all the time, I suppose, and that's okay. And, you know, that's kind of where I guess I ended up with. Because, um, yeah, I mean, in, in, and I guess to, to that extent, I do believe in life after death. I just. Well, that was the next question. Yeah, is right. what, do you, what do you think happens after we uh, not sure. call it quits? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I feel. I feel like there's something more. I mean, I guess I can understand. I can understand if there's not. And, and I guess I wouldn't really need to worry about it, in a sense, because it just the switch would turn off. I guess. Mm. And that's an, and that's another downside. That that that's the dual downside of having a life where I feel very fortunate, is that I don't want it to end because I really love it. Uh, I guess there's a time where attrition may take a toll, and you reach ninety and go, I think I've done everything. I feel like that happens, you know. Like I don't know what else. To, like I'd hate to be, I, you know, I used to, I'd hate to be scared of death. And I guess I'm I'm happy enough at the time at this point in time where I am a bit scared of death, which is a horrible feeling. Um, and yeah, but you know, I, I don't know what life after death would really entail. I, I feel, it make it feels right that there. Is, it feels like I guess I'd sit there and the thing I'd be scared about dying would be just like so many people making so many memories and so many wonderful things and so much uniqueness and. I've, you know, I've heard Stephen Fry's humanism arguments and stuff like that, which, again, they seem... Like, yeah, I mean, they, 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 and totally. Why not? Why not just go, hey, you do a cool... You, you write a cool story and you're done. Mm. There's nothing wrong with a cool story. You know, feel happy in that and enjoy each day because you never know. And that's... I'm like, yeah, totally. But I don't know. I just always feel like... I don't know. I just... So much... There's so much in a person. Um, and it just... Again, it just it does something. Maybe it's from my Christian upbringing. It just seems the idea that it just evaporates to a certain extent. Mm. Not, you know, obviously your legacy is always permanent in some sense. But yeah, the idea it evaporates just doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't obviously that um, to any scientists out there that that makes us who gives a shit tough. You know, the fact <laughs> the world doesn't revolve around you. And I get that totally. But it just yeah, I don't know. For me, it. Between my Christian upbringing and, and the way I feel about the human spirit, it just, I don't know, it just, it just feels right that there is something more, but I don't know what that is anymore. I used to think it was like clouds and happiness, but I really don't know what that is. But, you know, there, again, there, there are certain, certainly plenty of intangibles uh, that science can't have any way of knowing or proving you know, things like the spirit. Sure, but again, you know, even that stuff, I'm like, uh, you know... Maybe there'll be a way to prove it or unprove it, just prove yeah, it. Sure. But again, I don't know. It just it, it's still I don't know. Again, like you know, perception is reality, so I, I would struggle with understanding that I don't have a spirit. I think would be it'd be very hard for me to really be like to truly go definitely no spirit. That's just a bunch of machinery turning around in a particularly complicated cogs. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's very possible, and I certainly don't discount that. But just be like, I don't know. Again, taking about talking about taking the wonder out of life. Yeah. That would right. sort of take some of the one. I'd be like, oh, okay, so I'm really just a just bunch a of bolts. Bag. Yeah, you know, doing stuff that... Cause yeah, it was like ultimately this kind of the anti-humanist argument of going, no, but really it's all for nothing. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I know, yeah, a human, but, you know, stretch out the timeline and it just turns to dust and there's a the heat death of the universe and everything stops moving and bullshit. I was just like, that, that to me, I was like, ah... Well, that's... I mean, at least I get satisfaction out of playing The Sims. And it's not like it just doesn't... It just goes away. You've got all these memories and now you can add photos, thanks and for. 
and um, you can so add photos and you can take photos of the family and there's all these memories and things you know and it's just sort of like just for it to be like delete you just be like oh it's a bit stale format the hard drive yeah but then again you can do that so who knows <laughs> you know like it's like it's a terrible analogy amnesia yeah we've got amnesia um, I, I think remember. I mean I think fundamentally we can agree on uh, <coughs> one point which you would imagine that everyone could agree on you'd hope is that life has the meaning that you give it really I guess that's a truism right? it's a tautology of, of sorts that you know life is what life is to any particular person living yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Um, yeah there, there's only a few absolutes and that's probably one of them um, I like to I like to end the show by uh, by asking the guest uh, what makes them silly so I'm going to do that right now um, because it's, it seems like a good way to end the show in the, in the, in the fashion that other shows have been ended. Fine. What um, makes them silly? So, what, okay, give me no, some what, sort of... So, what makes funny. you silly? What makes you do silly things? What makes you be silly? Oh. What, what puts you into a silly state of mind? Silly state of mind. Laughter. Uh, laughter is, is, is the best. Um, and also, um, and, and, and nerves. I guess a lot yeah. of actors, yeah. Uh, when I'm anxious, I, I just operate on some hyper level, like some level where I'm hyper aware and hyper. I don't know. I, I gen. I, if I'm gonna turn into like a giggling, over chatty ball of like a messy ball of emotions, that'll be when it is. <laughs> you know, I'll just and it's sort of wonderful. I kind of ever since like the first stage, I really walked out on where I was just so nervous and got pushed out there and suddenly it was all happening and sort of would step off and just be this ball of excitement. You know, because I don't drink and I, I don't do drugs and I never have and I don't know what that's like. It's, I guess, yeah, like that euphoria of energy and, and, and um, uncertainty and, and, and then coupled with laughter, you just create this wonderful kind of, I guess, chemical mix where you, you know, like I'd be so excited sometimes going out. My friends would all get drunk, and I'd be so excited and nervous and well, you know, about the whole experience <laughs> of it. I was because we were about to do karaoke. It's all karaoke, yeah, of course, you know. And then you end up just doing all this stupid shit that you go, "What I do?" And then, and I remember because people used to think I was drunk, and I wouldn't be. You know, it was. I guess that was a weird compliment that I used to get, where I was like, <laughs> "It's a weird compliment." And, you know, but it's like most you know, people I, are trying to pretend not to be drunk. Yeah, but not, you know, I just because I'd be like so up for stuff. Yeah, yeah. you know, and I, I was, I was kind of, I'd kind of managed to figure out how to, to a certain, in certainly in some ways, and not others. Um, lose my inhibitions for certain you know with a control element to it I guess which is fundamental to not drinking and all that sort of stuff mm. why I don't do it but you know still be up for so much stuff and do stupid silly things and join in with people that have like you know chemically lost their inhibitions <laughs> you know it was, it was I don't know I, I guess I'll be silly when other people are being, being silly and when there's a laugh to be had and um, and and it's and that's some of the most treasured times you can have. You know, mm. you really just just doing stupid stuff. Give me an example. Oh, um, Jesus! I don't know. I'm being silly. Um, well, film sets are rife with kind of practical jokes. I'm not. We used to. We we. Oh, why well, it always be like? 
the first to get on the dance floor and do the stupidest dance moves that were most like I don't know like you, I look back now and go what were you thinking <laughs> like what kind of what? how would people have looked at you you idiot um, I don't know I wanted, wanted to deliver this as a bang I should have thought some sort of silly thing that I've done you know like I've like when I lived in Ireland for a year I was trying to make friends and I'd just do kind of whatever from like just doing stupid things like hey trampolining will be fun um, and then you just do all kinds of stupid stuff to like improv where your job is to be silly and you just be like how embarrassing can I feel mm. and you just you know I, I don't know I like putting myself in situations where <laughs> I just see how far can I push my you know, my unwillingness to go outside of my comfort zone I don't know I don't I, I feel like I, I have a bad memory so I don't know <laughs> like I've posed nude for a calendar these are all like silly events not as opposed to like one pose nude for a calendar let's not talk about it right. um, that was way back in the day um, I was less nude than other people um, but yeah for charity and stuff and just stupid stuff where I'm like why have I said yes to this um, <laughs> I don't know like I'm just I did plenty of odd things for charity <laughs> right um, uh, or like eating all of like you seeing how much you could fit in your mouth at Smorgies or you can eat restaurant um, and then also how much you could fit in the carafe for water of the food you didn't eat I didn't like that very much mm. um, I don't know I feel like compared to other actors I will not have good silly stories <laughs> I feel like I have a general level of general kind of like <laughs> oh Liam but no one like oh my god because, you know, I'm not. I'm, we talked about straight edge, Liam. Mm. So silly to me is probably not silly to other people. Well, let me ask you uh, one, one more question. Yeah. Um, do you remember the first time that you ever entertained anyone? Um, like when you were a kid, do you have that memory of that moment where you, where, where you had that uh, emotional or energetic response to performing in front of someone or entertaining someone where you went, I want more of this? Yes, it wasn't a kid though. I remember. I remember those experiences. Uh, some of them, I was like one of the wise men, and again in a, in a, a nativity play, and I remember that was kind of cool. Didn't make me want to be an actor. I remember trying to make my own radio show as like a ten-year-old with an old friend <laughs> on a cassette player, when I playing like trying to like basically bootleg my copy of Dangerous uh, as like a sound as like you know the, that was this is the my next up Michael Jackson. You know, and stuff like that. You know, and all this, you know, and like, and like playing it for my, our parents and them being like, wow, that's amazing. And I was going to go, that's cool. And we did like a series of them. God, I hope I have that tape somewhere. That would be amazing. (laughs) That would be amazing. It would be amazing. I wouldn't diamond. Where are you now? Um, I don't know. And then like, but yeah, but all those were kind of, they never wanted me to be a, they never made me want to be a performer at all. I never wanted to be a performer until, I got tricked into it by an Irish dude and hated him for it because it was a lead role and he pretended it was a tiny role and it was like full. I was just not equipped for it. I couldn't remember lines and I didn't like acting. It was just the worst experience and being shoved in on stage. And it was kind of, kind of interesting when I actually was doing it. I hated all the rehearsals. It was kind of interesting. And then there was this one day and I, I, I feel bad for people that aren't actors that can't feel this. Because uh, I've never felt a feeling like it. Uh, I guess playing sports can maybe as close as you can get to it. Otherwise, where everyone on stage just had one of those shows, and a lot of theatre performers will know what one of those shows are, where 
everyone was just on the same energy, if you want, from what we've discussed already. Everyone just had a, not an out-of-body experience, but just an incredibly, like a, just a, a, like a mutually shared energetic experience where everyone came off stage looking at each other like, did you guys just feel that? It was just one of those shows that was just incredible, buzzy, everything was going right, the audience was involved, the show felt good, the performances, everything felt good, just was just a joyous experience. And every, I, I literally, I was like, because it was my first ever one, I sort of got off stage going, oh, guys, did, you, did we just have a show that was just incredible? Like, was that this the coolest thing? And I remember an actor, Fionn, I think, um, that came up to me and was like, did you just get the acting bug? And I kind of just laughed him off and was like, I'll be stupid. Like, you know, I'm still smiling like an idiot. Mm. But I was like, oh, nah, you know, no. And, um, but yeah, that was the day, that Thursday of that show, the first week of the show um, of Measure for Measure was the first day that I'd ever experienced anything so fulfilling or moving as that feeling that that was really the feeling that said this is where your life should be and that was incredible like I don't know if that's something that other people get and ignore or aren't lucky enough to have but that feeling was like no other and it, you know and I still did other things for a decade after that but trying to be an actor in the side but that was the first time that I went oh shit that's that's what joy is and I want more of it mm. joy is like I guess the uh, the base level of uh, or the highest level of happiness. Yeah, I guess so. And it's when euphoria. You, euphoria, yeah. When you have those those transcendent moments when you're performing or whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, um, I imagine surgeons would probably have. Those well, kind I, yeah, of... well, I mean, your friend just um, came out here and he was like, "I saved two lives yesterday." How incredible! Mm. You know, like the idea that at some moment in in your life you can know that you saved a human life. It's not, I mean, you know, if, if that, that would surely trump any kind of experience. I, you know, and, and even though I'm sure sometimes people get jaded about it and go, oh, you know, I just you know, saved this guy's life. Yeah, on some human level inside, deep down, even if you're pushing it down to try and be more humble or less grand mm. or whatever it is, you've got, you've got to go, wow, that, I did that. You know, this is the idea that you could sort of look at yourself in the mirror and go, I saved a human life. That, I mean, you know, mm. but again, like, even if you were just like, if you're a lawyer and you saved someone from like the death penalty or something that didn't deserve it, you know, the idea that you go, again, I saved, like, there's so many, prof- and, and that's all grand things, but there's so many jobs where you really can just like, you know, it could be accountants and stuff and everything where you just go, wow, that was profound. You know, mm. and, and, you know, I was feel it's it's funny when actors think that they're like they're all like a lot of entertainment people think they have like an exclusive right to that feeling of kind of profundity but um so many jobs have moments in different ways where you can just go wow that was amazing yep yeah no i agree with you um that seems like a really uh good and natural place to wrap up the show um thank you liam for doing this impromptu in my uh, living room with traffic going past uh, podcast. It's going to feel really authentic. <laughs> it's going to feel... So is, this will probably be the most like a conversation of all, and, and that's the point, I guess. Yeah. Uh, would you say keep it crispy? Because that's what they do on the Pete Holmes show. <laughs> sure, I will. Keep it crispy. 
<laughs> if I don't really know what I just did. No, but that'll get you on the Pete Holmes show. Once hey, Pete Holmes, I like you. And I'd like you to keep it crispy, Pete Holmes. He's a funny, funny guy. And you're a funny guy, I'm told. We're very good, <laughs> very good sources. Ugh. So, you know, crisp it up. <laughs> fun. Did you make it to the end? Well, if you're hearing this, you certainly did. What an amazing conversation. What an amazing and humbling friend uh, he is to have. Liam McIntyre, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Liam, for sitting down with me on a Saturday night when we could have been playing board games or FIFA. And Pete Holmes, if this has somehow made it to your ear holes, keep it crispy. And by that I mean, come and do my podcast. (laughs) And next week's guest is an icon, an absolute legend in Australian, well, in world music culture. There are not enough superlatives in the world to justifiably represent this man. Coming up next, Molly Meldrum. See you next week, friends.